went to visit uh, my wife's uncle's church. He's a pastor in Southeast D.C. We went, <clears throat> and um, he invited me to, to, to come up with him and to pray. And I remember I prayed for two, two people. And the first person I started praying for, as soon as I started praying, I said maybe a couple sentences, and she just started celebrating. And I was taken aback. I was like, whoa, whoa hey, what's, what's up going on right now? And then I was like, man, this, this, that was kind of fun. All right, the next person, hopefully the same thing will happen. So I prayed for that person, and like nothing like that happened, right? <laughs> Which was somebody said, oh, but no, that was actually a very good thing. It was a very good thing because I think I was processing her response as what it meant to pray effectively and did not have a category for if there is no response that way, that does not mean that the spirit is not at work. I do not have to judge and we do not have to judge our uh, whether or not we're in the spirit by the response of others. But there is a more objective way to uh, judge that. And that's going to be important for us as we talk about what it means to pray, because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And it's obviously we're not going to be able in one message or even in one month to just just scale the whole scope of what Scripture has to say about prayer. But we have a context in which we're talking about prayer because we've just come from a series in which we've been talking about the supernatural storyline of the Bible. So what's happening that we that we cannot see? We see life playing out as we see it now, but we, there are things happening that we don't see, that we're incapable of seeing because we can't see in that realm. But through prayer, we do enter into that realm. Right? So we're going to talk about prayer this morning in the context of spiritual warfare, in the, process, in the, in the context of the supernatural storyline of the Bible. So I'm going to apologize right now because some supernatural gifts may be needed for the accurate projection of the passages that I sent to my people. And I apologize for that because it's my fault. So I may have switched some stuff around or added some stuff. And it began with this, but this one I communicated, and the rest, we'll see what happens. So we'll look at Ephesians 6.10 as context for 18 through 20. So let's read, and then after we read, we will pray. Finally, be strong in the Lord. This is reading from the ESV, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to... Stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, make suppl making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we come to you this morning aware that, that we need to hear from you. Therefore, I ask that you would increase and that I would decrease. I pray that you would do what is impossible for me to do and that you would speak to those who are here, those who may be with us online right now, and those who may come online because the sermon is posted there and will engage with it later. Father, we ask you that you would speak a word to them that would comfort them, that would give, them, give us all um, heart to pray to not give up, to pray with confidence, to pray in the spirit, to operate the way we ought to as individuals who find ourselves in a place where there is a present darkness and yet there is light because Jesus has come into the world. And we have experienced that light because we are now your children bought with the precious blood of you, Lord Jesus. We ask you that you would please do these things for your glory and for our good. Amen, amen, and amen. So after, uh, just to set up the context in case you haven't been with us online or you're new or, or you forgot, for, uh, from like October, September, October until two weeks ago, we were in a series on the supernatural storyline of the Bible. And we got a lot of, uh, I think, paradigm shifting and changing information to just process where we are and how things may be working in uh, the spiritual realm. And that's all good, right? I mean, the enemy probably is cool with that on one level. Because if all we do ever is just know something, if all we're doing is accumulating information, that's what he wants. Remember, remember scripture, remember what James says, that we are not only to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers, right? Because if we, if, if we do not do, our own information will judge us when we stand before God. It will be a testimony to us about how much we knew, but we didn't do. So in light of what we heard, now we want to know, okay, well, what should we do? How should we live? And so Paul and in your Bible, it should look this way, that verses 18 through 20 are, should be part of, even though it's probably divided in your Bible, but it should be part of uh, verses 10 through 17. Well, Pastor Mike, why do you say it should be part of 10, uh, 10 through 17? Well, I say that because verse 17 ends with a comma. So the progression of thought continues. It hasn't stopped. It's not even a period there, right? 
So it means that, that there is this goes with that, right? So you just, you just pause. You may have like transitioned your thought ever so slightly, but you haven't completed your thought. So the completion of what we've heard about where we are and about who we wrestle against and what our weapons are, what, our, what, what resources we have available, that's all given. But then what do we do with those? Well, first and foremost, we pray. 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication is what it says. So what is prayer? We know what prayer is. I know we know what prayer is, but just for the sake of the flow, somebody may be new. Who knows? Prayer is to offer devout petition, praise, thanksgiving, etc. to God. So what's a petition? A petition is a formally drawn request, often bearing the names of a number of those making the request. That is to address a person or a group of persons in authority or power, soliciting some favor or some deed, some right, some mercy or benefit to come to the persons on the petition. A petition is a request made for something desired, especially a respectful or humble request to a superior or to one of those in authority. It's a supplication or a prayer. Praise, we all know what praise is. Hopefully we did a little bit of that in the uh, first half of our meeting. Um, it is the act of expressing approval or admiration, commendation, not condemnation, excuse me. <laughs> we could never condemn you, Lord. <laughs> or laudation. That's a new word, so I'm going to throw that laudation. It's to offer grateful homage in songs in song or in words as an act of worship. Thanks is obviously, we all know what that is. Hopefully we do that every day, even with human beings. But it's an expression of appreciation, gratitude, or an acknowledgement of services or favor given. So we are to pray. We are to petition, praise, thank God regularly. We are to be praying, right? Last week we looked at that this is a continuous active thing we're supposed to do, praying at all times. So let's consider ever so briefly like what happens when we pray. And we don't have time to like like go into this in depth, um, but just to help move us along uh, with what it means to be praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, we're going to consider what happens, just the snapshots that we have of what's happening when we pray. So uh, Revelation 5, um, verses 6 through 10 say this, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went... And took the scroll. Remember, this is when they were looking for someone to get the scroll from the one on the throne. And they couldn't find any. So he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Right? When I, when I read this, I, I always get caught up in like what the 24 elders do. So they went and they, they, put, their, they put their crowns uh, down. They fell before the lamb. And then they were each holding a golden harp and golden bowls 
full of incense, which are what? The prayers of the saints. In the throne room of God, your prayers are there. When they worship him, your prayers are there. I don't think of my prayers like that often because my prayers aren't even all that formal. I mean, you need to, if I'm thinking like if, if this were a throne and somebody were up here, I'm going to get out the way because um, I'm not the one on the throne. But if the one on the throne was there, man, I would think I would need to like anybody who's been Catholic, I would think I, this might help us. If you have been to a Catholic church and you're Catholic, before you do a lot of things, before you come into that sanctuary, there are these two little things on the, on the sides of the entrance. And they hold water in it. You hit that joint. I mean, I don't do it. <laughs> you hit it, right? You don't just come in there like haphazardly, right? So I don't think you have to do that to come to church, right? I, do. I was younger when I was Catholic. It was like back in the day. Um, but we don't, we don't have to do that. So some of my prayers are just like, Lord, help me, please. Or Lord, thank you that I did not, whatever it is, usually this is doing driving. Whatever, <laughs> Lord, thank you that you helped me, like, not to talk about that person to myself, because nobody else is in here, but I really wanted to say something, yeah. and I couldn't be talking to you, not that I, I don't cuss, it wouldn't be words like that, but it still wouldn't have been how I want to carry myself. I'm not trying to be controlled by the people driving. I'm trying to be controlled by the Spirit of God. So if I see the Spirit of God acting, then I'm going to thank God, like, hey, Lord, thank you that I didn't lay on my horn or I didn't, like, say anything bad about that person. Thank you so much. That's very informal. But this gives me the impression that regardless of what our prayers are, that it is in the throne room of God, along with the incense, along with the 24 elders, that our prayers are also there. Revelation 8, 1. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven, trump and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given, excuse me, much incense to offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. So again, before the throne on that golden altar, our prayers appear. Our prayers are there. And the smoke of incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Do you realize that when we pray that there is some pleasure that God, man, I don't, I don't see my wife, my wife cooks very well. Amen. And we're grateful to God for that most of the time. I like when I smell the smell of Thanksgiving. All them combinations of different things that she's cooking. It's coming up. 
to my nostrils and I'm anticipating the feast that's going to take place on Thanksgiving Day. That aroma prepares me, my palate, works on my imagination, makes me think about all the people that's going to be there. I'm going to see all my grandchildren, my children. We're going to have guests. All of that from a smell. I still remember the smell of the first day of school. I remember what the school smelled like. They say that smell is one of the most powerful triggers of the memory that one can have. So don't you dare pray and think that God has forgotten about you because your prayers go up to him like with incense so that it's a sweet smell to our God. So you think of the smells that do it for you. Is it your spouse's perfume or cologne? Is it Thanksgiving? Is it a barbecue? And just think that before the throne of God, on the altar, as incense, with incense, our prayers go up to our God. I think that lets us know that he won't forget because that incense is coming up before him. So we don't get too many snapshots of what could be going on, but Daniel is one who prayed consistently and some of the main snapshots we can observe of what could be happening, what is happening when we pray, we find in Daniel. So I have two of them uh, in uh, Daniel 9, verses uh, 20 through 23. Daniel says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, remember Daniel, well, was distraught because he hadn't gotten an answer about something he was praying for. So he was, uh, he was speaking, praying, confessing his, his sin and the sin of this people Israel um, and presenting his plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. Listen to this. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. So when Daniel prayed, God responded by sending a word out so that Daniel could get the understanding. As soon as he prayed, it says, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and the understand and understand the vision. So when we pray, God does things. Now, it may not be that we are like Daniel and we get exactly what we pray for because we know that sometimes God's answer is wait and sometimes it's no. So you're not, we're not, you know, if you're new, like we're not one of those churches where we believe like everything we pray for, like we're going to see it. Like, hey, all right, Lord, give me that. I don't even have a car that I really want. All right, so just give me a, a Range Rover or something. Oh, and then like, uh, you know, two weeks, like, hey, y'all got the Range Rover, praise them. Uh, we're not, that's not us. <laughs> Having established that, Daniel 9, uh, 20, no, I read that. Daniel 10, uh, verse 12 says, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, 
your words have been heard. And listen to this. I have come. Why did he come? Because of your words. So if Daniel never asked, then he may not have received. Well, Pastor Mike, you just said we're not one of those churches who, who say, like, you know, all right, we, 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 we're not a name and claim it church. But Scripture says that we have not because we ask not. So I'm going to say we have to say our words to the Lord. He does more than that. He knows what we need before we open our mouths. So just remember that. Remember that in all I say. We, we understand that. We know that. There's a category for that. But I don't think we have to encourage us not to open our mouths. I think we need encouragement to open our mouths to the Lord and to not give up and to not faint in prayer. Last week when we asked everyone, we asked the, those who were here to raise your hand if you were satisfied with your prayer life. None of us. We can begin with me. I didn't raise my hand. I wasn't, I'm, not, I'm still not satisfied with my prayer life. So we're speaking in terms of being satisfied with our prayer life. So we must See that God will move. He will do things because we have asked. We see this in Daniel's experience. So it's easy to, to just make this other little point that it should be a no-brainer at this point. And that is that our, our prayers affect the world. Our prayers affect the world. Do you remember when, when Abraham, I was talking to someone I love recently who uh, it seems like they're having a spiritual awakening, and um, we were uh, talking about, man, I forgot what we were talking about. We are talking about a lot of things, my goodness. But we, 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 I'm going to just move on past. I'm going to just walk on by like the song says, walk on by and go ahead and read the passage. So, so it, 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 it'll probably come back. If it comes back at the right time, then I'll share it. If not, man, we just going to chalk that up to like I just had one of those moments. But, in, but, but what we were saying, I knew it would come once I stopped thinking about it. So, so we were talking about how in the Bible, all of the heroes, their flaws are like written in the book, man. They did. It doesn't like skirt anything under the rug. It's not like, oh yeah, man, when Pastor Mike was 21, he did this. That joint gonna be in there. <laughs> in scripture, it's there. So Abraham, the father of our faith, we know he had a he had a problem with lying. We know he had a problem with fear as well, right? So he would go somewhere, and his wife must have been very pretty because he would go somewhere and be like, Man, these people don't know the Lord. When they see my fine wife, they're going to be like, man, hey, we want her. So we'll kill him so we can get her. So he went to this one place, and there was a king there whose uh, name was Abimelech. So what Abraham would say, he did this on more than one occasion. He would say, she's my sister. So Abimelech was like, man, your sister is fine. He didn't say that in here. I'm just saying, you, I'm just updating. I'm just updating it. I'm, you know, updating it, paraphrasing, right? Your sister's fine. All right, I'm going to take her as one of my wives. So he didn't take her as one of his wives and, and, and lay with her, but he took her into wherever his wives would be. Like he was going to take her as his wife. So, no, nah, that, that's very wild. I mean, the wild thing is, I mean, you could tell um, that Sarah wasn't black. Because she'd be like, ain't no way I'm saying I'm your sister. What do you think this is? I'm your woman. 
Now, if you, hey, we can leave now. We, can, we don't have to stay here. But I'm not saying I'm your sister. There will be no cooperation whatsoever. None whatsoever. So from there it says, uh, this is a lot. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to read all this. Okay, all right, all right. So, so we'll pick up in, in mid, we'll pick up in verse 8. <laughs> so Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants. Uh, no, 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 no. We got to be, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're not going to start at 8. <laughs> we'll start at verse 4. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So, the, so he said, Lord, it's because the Lord's coming for him. The Lord is coming for him because he's taking Sarah as if she is his wife rather than Abraham's. The Lord knows whose wife she is. So he said, I mean, I'm sorry, just, just, just I'm sorry, just, just the super, again, the supernatural storyline. Abimelech, like it, it, it reminds us, say, these things could just help us. See how God works. So God, in ensuring that his promise to Abraham regarding his son Isaac is not tainted in any way, shape, or form. This is wild because he's not going through the man of God, Abraham. He says it's his sister. And then at the end, in the middle of verse 2, it says, Abimelech the king sent and took Sarah. But God, see, God couldn't talk to Abraham, so he talked to Abimelech. God gave him a dream by night and said, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent man? Did he not himself say to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. So he will pray for you, and you shall live. All right, so the Lord kept him from sinning, but he was still going to kill him unless Abraham <laughs> prayed for him. Right. God is serious about his promise, though. He doesn't want it to be Abimelech's child that Sarah has. Right? But... If you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech, early in the morning, probably about 4 o'clock a.m., <laughs> rose early in the morning and called his servants, all his servants, and told them all these things. And the man and the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech, he calls, he calls to Abraham, he tells him, hey, man, you said you deceived me. And then look, this is verse 14. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and just gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. 
And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. But please get away from me. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> dwell dwell where, where it pleases you. To Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. <laughs> a thousand I'm sorry. A thousand pieces of silver. He probably said it funny too. Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone, you are vindicated. So you have not been touched by me. Okay. Then Abraham prayed to God and healed Abimelech. So, so, so it doesn't say what was going on with Abimelech, but it appears that something had happened that he needed to be healed from. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. So did, did God has it so covered. Man, I didn't see this. But my point is our prayers have effect. But, 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 but just because we've been talking about the supernatural storyline of the Bible and this, the storyline of the Bible, look at what God, God dried everybody up. So no one could produce children at all in that whole country. So that there would be no possibility that anybody could do anything to Sarah that would jeopardize his promise. That's how vicious God is. And so then after Abimelech just gives him all these gifts, he's like, hey, is your sister back, my brother? Then, then Abraham prays to God for Abimelech. And Abimelech was healed. Not just Abimelech, his wife, and everybody who were in the country. See, we don't think about our prayers that way. But we know that James tells us that, that Elijah was a man like the rest of us. Had the same kind of thoughts, feel, passions, and whatnot. But he prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And when he prayed, then it began to rain again. And he used Elijah as an illustration that to, to get to the point where he would say, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous person avails much. I know that's King James mixed in there. Some of y'all are not used to that, but you know what it's saying. That it's effective when God's people pray. Therefore, prayer is one of the spiritual weapons as well. It is as well. Not just the sword of the spirit, but praying at all times is part of the spiritual weaponry that we have. So when you think about this, when you think about trying to do what Paul is calling the Ephesians to do, he's went through all of the weapons and he says, all right, praying at all times. Like, how does one pray at all times? Like, you, we've all, we answered this last week. It is really impossible to do that. We see even from Christ, we see he doesn't just, we don't just find him praying every time, right? We don't just, every time we see him, oh, yeah, Jesus prayed. But we see a lot of him praying. We see him praying to the point, to the degree that his disciples are like, Lord, teach us to pray. So they see him praying, and they're like, man, we don't know how to pray. Like, can you, can you teach us how to pray? Like, you do it so often. Like, like can, you, can you teach us? He, Jesus wasn't praying when he went to, you know, uh, to, we don't see him praying in the home of, uh, you know, Lazarus and his sisters. We see him praying when Lazarus was dead, obviously. But we see him teaching Mary at his feet. He wasn't praying then. 
when he went to people's homes like Simon, um, he didn't, he wasn't praying then. But he's the one who tells us that we should always pray. He's the one who even gave a parable about this widow, right? This widow who, and back then widows were pretty much destitute. But there was a king who owed the widow something. Uh, an, an adversary had, not the enemy, not the devil, but an adversary, someone who was against her, came and they did something unrighteous to her. And she went to the king to ask him to give her justice. And the king, who has a lot of decisions to make, once he saw how tenacious the woman was, that he, she wasn't going to go away, Remember this king, if you know the story, he didn't fear God, he didn't fear man. He was just like, I do what I want, when I want, how I please. But because this woman was coming, he was like, man, even though I don't fear God and man, because I don't want her to keep coming to me, I'm going to give her what she requests. Now, Jesus used that as a parable to say that we should always pray. Not that we are to bother God, but that our prayers should be consistent, all right? So there's consistency. So, so to pray at all times does not mean that we're, we're uh, doing nothing but praying. But what it does mean is that we aren't doing anything apart from prayer. So we're not just praying, but we're not doing things apart from prayer. If we can do something apart from prayer, then chances are we shouldn't be doing it. Right. So we should be able to pray for everything. We should be able to. If there's something you can't pray about. Step away from it. Step away from it. If you can't bring God into it, you shouldn't be into it. But. We should pray at all times, meaning we should be characterized by prayer. So this, the disciples would have seen even more than us that Jesus didn't always, wasn't always just walking around praying. He wasn't always mumbling something to him. He, was, he wasn't doing that. But they still said, Lord, teach us to pray. They still said, Lord, teach us to pray. We should pray because we need to be fortified against temptation. So Luke, Luke 22, 46 lets us know when Jesus was in the garden, he told his disciples to pray that they do not enter into temptation. Even more than that, we should pray because, well, the temptation is, is a function of the context in which we find ourselves. We are on a battlefield in which the enemy wants to take our faith from us so that we do not believe or follow God anymore through Jesus Christ. I think one of the things that highlights our need to pray most, though, is John 15, 1 through 5, which says, I am the true vine. Now, this isn't about prayer, but this lets us know where we are. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, 
unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will, excuse me, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if apart from the Lord, we cannot do anything, yet we know that people like Nebuchadnezzar, right? Pastor Kurt talked about him a few times within the supernatural storyline. Like Nebuchadnezzar, it's just human nature to take credit for whatever we do. We're not, we're not trying to share it with God. I'm talking about, I'm not saying like we not, but I'm just saying like as a whole, build the billions of people. We're not trying to share it with God. We want to say everything we did. We want you to know I did this, I did that, I did the other. I did. We, we, we want people to know, but the fact of the matter is without God helping us just have common sense or some kind of sense, we can't do anything. We can't talk. Have you, have you ever, have you ever, like, my, my grandmother had Alzheimer's, and that, the complications of that took her into eternity. And I remember uh, her, you know, we would sometimes be taking care of her. She'd ask, hey, what are you here for? Are you here taking care of me? Yes, Grandma. Why? You have Alzheimer's. She would come back like five minutes later, same question. Five minutes later, for 10 minutes maybe, 15, five. She would just, like, she would, she would just come back. She would forget why we were there. Sometimes we forget that we're connected to a vine that nourishes us and strengthens us, that enables us to do everything that we can do. Just think if you were my grandmother and you were trying to form a sentence and you couldn't get the words right. You couldn't get them in the right order. You couldn't. You just, like, you couldn't do it. You understand that at some point in time, I was able to communicate. I could share a, a, a paragraph effortlessly, seemingly. But not in the state that grandma was in later on. We forget that we need God to tie our shoes. You don't even have to forget how to tie your shoe. Just let a good back injury, because you're not going to be able to tie your shoe. No, just, just have a little sciatica going on. You're you going to be like, you're going to have to humble yourself and ask somebody, or you're going to have, have to put on some slip-ons, or you're going to have to do something. You're not going to be able to do, you're not going to be able to bend down. You're not going to be able to, just, just think about the myriad of things you cannot do without the help of the Lord, and think about do you ask the Lord to help you for everything as you should in light of the reality that you need him for every single thing that you can do. Do we... So not you, I'll include this time, notice I just said you, but I'm including me. So I'm going to show you I'm including me. Do we thank God for all of the things that we did do? Do we say, Lord, thank you that this conversation that was moving in the direction with my wife that would have ended up in an argument right now or just at least a heightened sense of something. <laughs> it didn't go in that direction, Lord. Thank you. I don't care if it was you using her or me. Just thank you. That accident driving. And we know how people drive. I mean, I was driving the other day. I was, I was at a stop stoplight. And I'm telling you, the joint was green for quite a while. 
man, this this person just came like like their light wasn't red, just zoom, and they wasn't they they didn't even speed through it. They just kind of like casually like, yeah, man, I'm just going. What's up? They 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 were like that. So Lord, thank you that I made it to my destination safely. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that oh I I I I, I you know, I hit my arm on something, but Lord, thank you I can still move it. Lord, thank you so much that, that, that I get to see my grandchildren and, I, like, I can pick them up and stuff. I'm not, like, too old to, like, play with them, roughhouse with them. Lord, Lord thank you. Lord, thank you so much that, that I have this home that I can entertain people in. Maybe I need to do that more. Maybe I need to do it less. But I have the house. Lord, thank you. So, Lord, I'm not going to complain that our AC went out, but I thank you for the house, Lord. I thank you so much for the house. Not everyone in the world has one of these to come home to. Not everyone in the world has a refrigerator to just go in there and like, hmm, decide what they want. Not everyone has money to be able to go to a, a market and select like what they want. Some people have to go to, to the food pantry. Some people always have to ask people, can they borrow this money and that money from them? Like God has been too good to not acknowledge him for all that we have. And remember, thanksgiving is a form of prayer. And if it's a form of prayer saying, Lord, thank you so much that I made it through this day. What, one, one, I mean, it's not long prayer usually, so I'm not going to act like it's long. But it is sweet prayer when my head is on the pillow. And I just think about, like, what the day was like. And it's like, Lord, you brought me through. You helped this to happen and that to happen. This person said how much this, that blessed them. I might not ever see them again, but they said it. I can't do anything without you. So thank you that this had effect, but thank you that you brought me through it. I'm still here. And unless you call me to you, I normally don't say this. Uh, so I don't think, I think it sometimes, but not consistently. But if I live to see tomorrow, I get to do it all again. Lord, thank you. Why do that? Because I'm aware that without him, I can't do anything. Slow, so the slightest thing, whether it's impressive to you or not, is that, Lord, you've allowed me to reflect your glory in these ways this day. And just remember that you, we, all of humanity, right, we, we, we believe this. We were created in God's image to have impact. And we're going to have impact one way or the other, right? So some people have impact in terrible ways. But if we have impact for good, man, we should be thanking God because we, because apart from God, we would be those who are having impact in bad ways. We would be expressing our unrighteousness through the things that we do. And we would be, Romans 1, suppressing the righteousness of God through our unrighteousness. We'll be suppressing the righteousness of God through our unrighteousness. That's where we would be. So the reality that we're not there, the reality that we, we know God, that we, that, we, that, that, that we know him, that we get to live in the good of what he's done, that we see all of these other blessings that aren't eternal, but like they're still like, like my life is a good life. If I think about it, I could probably put some traumas down, but I don't even think about that because I'm still here. Why am I still here? Did I make myself still? No, I didn't. I know people just same demographic, same age, all of that that's not here. So I, I try to call that to mind so I can remember 
I have something to be thankful for. So I can remember that God is the one who's brought me to, to where I am. So that I can remember that without him I can do nothing. If I didn't, if I didn't sustain my life, if I can't do that, just think, think that other passages function for you as well. So, so uh, Matthew 6 where it talks about not worrying about anything. If we can't even change one hair, well, we can with, uh, with, you know, with some dye, but we can't change it fundamentally. Um, we can't change one gray hair back to black, and it stay that way. They trying real hard. They might, they might you know, eventually like, be able to do that on, one, on some level. But if we can't do that, then we're not supposed to worry. So if we didn't have to worry, like even not having to worry, you think about the number of people who have to I'm not even talking about like our first world level of anxiety. So I'm not talking about that. That we can that's a different conversation. I'm talking about the globe where people don't know like where they're going to sleep tonight. Where they don't know where their next meal is coming from. I'm, I'm talking about that. And then there are the legitimate there's some first first world anxieties as well, right? I mean if you have money, you might be scared of losing money. Like, that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate. Yeah, and I heard that Maryland is the fourth most expensive state to live in, so <laughs> then there's, there's that. There's that. So we pray at all times because there's so much to pray for. The prayer doesn't just have to be a petition. The prayer can be a prayer of thanksgiving. The prayer can be an acknowledgement of just what God has done. And that's a way that, that helps us to pray at all times, to be praying at all times. But verse 18 of, of Ephesians 6, it doesn't, I mean, I'm not even past the first comma. Praying at all times in the Spirit. So in the Spirit, what does that mean? I mean, it's only mentioned three times in the New Testament. So 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Paul's talking about speaking in tongues and the order within the corporate gathering. He talks about the, the primacy, or what should be the primacy of prophecy, which is you can understand prophecy spoken in your language. He says, uh, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So that's one of the places. Uh, the other place is, um, I mean, King James says pray in the spirit. So he's not, not with, but same concept there. Um, Jude 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So it's there. And then our passage, praying at all times in the spirit. So we have to conclude that there's not much um, there's, not, there's not much to work with in terms of like, okay, exactly what does praying in the spirit mean? So because of the context of, of 1 Corinthians 14 and what Paul was talking about, people um, oftentimes think that that means like praying in tongues. Um, and I, as I mentioned last week, I don't believe that that's um, primarily what, what, it, what it's talking about. Um, but the confusion also is not just because it's mentioned three times, but then if we look at other instances where people seem to be in the spirit, like it's, it's kind of wild, right? It's, it's, it's John in Revelation 4 
um, saying, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, the one in chapter 1, speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And then he says, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, so he was in the Spirit then. right? So it's like, okay, does it mean that that's what's supposed to happen? He, continue, he has a few of the, these in the spirit moments. So uh, in 17, 1 through 3, uh, it says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came to me and said, Come, and I will show you uh, the judgment of, of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on the earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast uh, that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. So he was in the spirit, and he sees that. Um, he was in the spirit, and he goes up to heaven. Uh, and then in uh, 21, 9 and 10, it says, Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last seven plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Ezekiel had an experience in 3.12. Then the spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. Uh, blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. And then... Um, so, so we have these instances where you see people are in the spirit. So 18, again, 618 of Ephesians, praying at all times in the spirit. We've already established that Jesus did not, uh, wasn't always found praying. You know, he wasn't like, uh, like the, 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 you know, if you've seen, uh, all right, I'm sorry, another movie reference. I'm sorry. I've seen a lot of movies in movies. How many people have seen this movie called Golden Child? The Golden Child. It's a way back in the day. Okay. So, okay. So, not many. So, there's this, there's this movie where there's this child who's like a special child who's being held by these dark forces. And around the child are these monks. And all they do is they sit around and they just be like. And they're just like praying to whoever they pray to, and that, that's all they're doing. And that's supposed to like be like him being in prison, right? Well, actually, actually he might be in a cell. But anyway, regardless of where he was, they, they're around him, and they're praying like that, right? They're, 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 they're like that. So, so we're not like them. We're not like all the time, you know, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want you. We're not, we don't have a rosary with us. Back to Cali. We don't have a rosary with us and taking the beads and, like, just walking around, you know, praying all, all of the time, but yet, we're supposed to be praying at, at all times. So we've already established that we're not, doesn't mean that we pray at all times. And these people who are in the spirit, um, it seems like it's definitely like an experience, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not something that's happening all of the time. Therefore, they, re, they, they account it that way in Scripture. What it means, well, first of all, the, the, the word for in, in the spirit, the phrase means by means of 
with the help of, in the sphere of. So what does it mean to do anything by means of the spirit? Like what do you use to like judge whether or not I'm in the spirit? Are you like me? With the, with, it was, the people I was praying with, they were two women. Are you like me? And in that prayer time, pray, celebration. Whoa, that must be the spirit. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, all right. Next person, I pray. Was that not the spirit? Because, like, I, don't even, I think she only said amen when we were finished. She didn't say anything else. This other lady was, like, saying all kinds of stuff, thanking the Lord, dancing. I'm just like, man, let me just move out the way you go. So, so that's, that, 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 that was the difference. And it was like in a moment of like uh, maybe like uh, maybe like th- three minutes at the most, right? And as I mentioned earlier, I don't think one or the other uh, was necessarily not by means of the Spirit. It was in the Spirit, by means of the Spirit. It wasn't like not, w- it wasn't without the help of the Spirit. Being in the spirit, I mean, it's, 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 it's very, it's really should be very simple for people who, um, who have walked with the Lord. Because it's not, it's not, it's not that simple. I remember once I was in, when I was in Korea, um, there were these, you know, I mean, I, when I was in Korea, I was like 18 years old, right? So everybody was older than me, pretty much. And um, the church I went to, definitely everyone was older than me then. And there were some real, like, heavyweights. And it was, like, a very, very, very uh, charismatic church that we were going to, maybe even, like, Pentecostal. And so um, I remember, you know, not knowing if, if you – there are ways where you can, like, interact with situations where you might feel like the Spirit of God is, like, encouraging you to do something or you might have the confidence that – that God's spirit is with you. And then there are other times that you don't, right? Or you don't know. I like that you don't know. I like that the best. Me, I personally like that because then I'm not like I was with those two prayer situations. Then it's just like, Lord, it is whatever it is, and you'll make it, you'll, you'll make it known. That's good. I don't even have to say, I'm going to tell you, if you always have to say this, thus saith the Lord, or you always have to like point to like this is God speaking right now, then I'll tell you with me, I'm not, I'm probably not even going to listen to you. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm going to listen to you because my mom told me to listen to people. So I'm going to be cordial. But I'm about to scrutinize what you're saying as if God was speaking to me. Therefore, any type of inaccuracy, that's probably what I'm going to hone in on. Because I'm a, I'm a firm believer that God does not have to announce himself. He doesn't have to let you know that was me. Remember when, 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 when Jesus had risen? And in, in, in John, I think it was John's account, uh, Peter and John, they, they went back to fish. They're like, man, the Lord gone. Let's go back to what we know. We're going to fishing, man. They go fishing. Then there's this person. They don't catch anything, right? And there's this person on the shore says, put the net down on the other side. Put the net down on the other side. They get to the pull it. That's the Lord. <laughs> the Lord in heaven. That's the Lord right there. That's him. So one of them gets out I think, and goes to the shore. I think John did. 
You can check that. You said it. Herbie said, I think. But, but, but one of them goes to the shore and is with John. But Peter doesn't want to go to the shore because, remember, he had denied the Lord, right? But the Lord, he knows how to do what he does. So, I, so I've, I've had this experience where um, in a conference, you know, we break down in small groups to pray, start praying. And then I think, like, the Lord wants to tell this person something. And this is, this is what I do, because I don't want you to remember I just said, I think it was like, I'm going to, if it's the Lord, it's the Lord. He knows, how, I knows what to do. So I said, ma'am, I, I know I don't know you. This is our first time meeting, so you can take this for what it's worth. And so then I just started sharing some scripture with her and stuff. And then, and then she, she didn't tell me, like, what, she didn't say any words. She just broke down and started crying. And then. I don't know what happened after that because that was like decades ago. But 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 that happened. So so my experience has been. You don't need to announce the Lord. People will see. That it's the Lord. If you tell me something you could not have known about me. I mean, it could be something else. There are, you know, things called familiar spirits and all that, right? But to even have a chance, if you tell me something like that, something you could not possibly know, then I then I'm think like, oh, that could be the Lord, right? It's it's not necessarily rocket science. I remember asking these guys in Korea. I was like, man, I don't know if um. You know, ants are like really out of control. There's an ant up here now. Um, but um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. That brother, he's still up here, but he's not moving. Um, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's slain in the spirit. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> so Amen. True change has taken place. Anyway, let me. It's not really that simple. I mean, excuse me, that difficult. It's probably so simple that we just overlook it. Hebrews 4, 5, excuse me. Well, no, 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 I'm sorry. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 2, 14 first. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. So let's just, that's a, there's a comment here, but let's pause right there. So a natural man, a person that does not have God's Spirit within them, does not accept the things of God. Continue past the comma, for he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, believer, you have to realize, recognize that the spirit of God in you makes you not just a natural person. Right? Because you have the spirit of God in you. Therefore, the things of the spirit are not folly to you. They're not foolishness to you. See, because if you don't accept 
because you cannot accept things that are spiritually discerned without the Spirit of God. That's impossible. Just like no one can say that Jesus is Lord apart from the Spirit of God. Well, it does, that, as Pastor Kirk said, that doesn't mean that just somebody just saying it, Jesus is Lord. That means the Spirit is there, right? People can say that with, with they can say that and like not even know the Lord, right? They could just be saying it as something that their mom said or something that's, they, they could say it that way. But the person who believes that, the person who is willing to govern their lives by, that person is saying it by the Spirit of God. It doesn't look like it's anything, but it's everything, right? You cannot. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter like what books you read. It does, it's not a switch that can be turned on. Just being able to say with conviction and direction of life that Jesus is Lord is by the Spirit, right? And if that's by the Spirit, then being able to, to, to accept the things of God comes with that because then you're accepting the reality that he's Lord of my life. And so I'm going to live in concert and in correspondence with what and how he calls me to live. So the first thing is having the spirit of God automatically positions us to be able to pray in the spirit. Like there's no way you can do it without the spirit. I know mean, you can't do that. Right. And here it doesn't quite it doesn't like say that that it doesn't like say some of the things that we might bring to mind that, that um, you know, that we would bring them on as far as, like, in the spirit. So some, you know, because the context of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 15, people, you know, kind of think it's, it's just that. But when you think that way, this is a thing that we need to remember how, how powerful theology is because we autom- our minds are automatically shaped in a certain direction by the things that we embrace. So if we embrace that this is like, okay, so every time I see in the spirit, I'm going to think speaking in tongues, then that's how you'll think. That's how, you, that's how you'll be prone to think. That's the direction you're leaning. And we all have our leanings, so just let me make it clear. We all, I have my leanings as well. That's just not one of them, but I have my leanings. This is the thing about the spirit, though. Galatians 5, 16 talks about um, uh, uh, our, um, you know, just basically like sowing or, or building in the direction of the spirit so that we will certainly not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? So, so again, this is the only three verses, so we're kind of describing something, right? So the spirit of God has to be there, right? The spirit of God has to be within the person in order to pray in the spirit, right? And then... We have to be about positioning ourselves in a certain direction. And that direction is submission to God. Hebrews 5.14 says this. And this isn't talking about being filled with the Spirit. This is being used as an illustration of like what needs to happen in order to be praying in the Spirit the way we probably want to be. And I'll elaborate after reading it. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There is no substitute at all 
for growth and godliness than training yourself, ourselves, by obedience to it. So if we want to have our powers of discernment trained, then we got to be able to navigate situations where we have to figure out whether this is good or whether this is not good. And if we do not train our discernment in that way, then we'll always be questioning whether or not this is good or it's not good. Right? So as I mentioned last week, I think during the, during the Q&A, um, it's more art than science. I can't give you an equation to say, do this, 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 and this. But I can tell you that obedience, as Pastor Kurt uh, said in his last message, obedience is the first, obedience to God is the first and most effective weapon in the spiritual warfare arena. Obedience to God, that's the first. So being obedient, it helps you to direct, excuse me, to exercise your discernment, right? Is this good? Is this wrong? Is this good or not good? If praying in the spirit is a matter of, in the spirit, by means of, with the help of, in the sphere of, it starts with obedience. It continues with knowing the will of God. And then you start with praying what you know the will of God is. Now, we might be like the person I was meeting with uh, last week. They, 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 asked, they initially asked the question, how could you tell me what God's purpose was in, in creating humanity? But the question they were asking really in talking with them was they wanted to know how do they discern God's purpose for their life. And that, too, that is not, it's not science. That's art. Right? There's a general boom. Do this, do that, do this, do that. You go to school, right? You go, we, we all send our kids to school or homeschool or whatever. However, we, we educate them, right? Then after we educate them, they may choose to either get a job they may choose to go to school, but they are developing, right? They are developing. They're developing. And so then at some point, something clicks, something, some interest, something happens, right? And they choose to follow this path. They choose to follow the business administration path or the nutrition class, wherever. They choose where they're going to go, and then they apply themselves to doing it, and then that area of their life is just it's easy. It's, they get the certifications, they get this, they get that, they get the other. Praying in the spirit is similar. We know we're not supposed to pray for God to bless the devil. Right? We, we know that, okay, right? There's some things we just know we shouldn't, shouldn't pray. We know, all right, the things that are, that are sinful, we know we shouldn't be praying, like, to, 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 to be great in those things, Right? That, that's easy. We know that we should be praying for the good of others, right? That we, we know that, right? So it's not that difficult. You know, you, you, may, you may or may not have an experience where you would say, man, I was in the spirit. That's okay. We're not talking about an experience. We're talking about by the means of, with the help of, in the sphere of. So praying in the spirit is more of a the direction in which you're praying, not, not a, a formula for how to pray. It's not a formula for that. And I will think I'll close 
with this thing that may be a little bit more helpful for you. And this is from God Questions. Y'all know God Questions on, online? What is praying in the spirit? Praying in the spirit is mentioned three times in scripture. We've already mentioned that. Um, so I won't read all of those. But this, um, the Greek word translated pray in can have several meanings, several different meanings. It can mean by means of, with the help of, in connection to. So praying in the spirit does not refer to the words that we are saying. Rather, it refers to how we are praying. Praying in the spirit is praying according to the spirit's leading. I cannot tell you how God leads you. That's not even my role. Unless how God leads you is like detrimental to when we gather. Or to you. I mean, I'll say something that I think is detrimental to you. Um, um, It is praying for things the spirit leads us to pray for. And you can't always tell when the spirit is leading you. Because it should be so normative for us. That is hard to tell, right? Maybe in hindsight you can tell, but you may not be able to tell with eyesight. Uh, Romans 8.26 tells us, uh, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know how to pray. Uh, We do not know what to pray for. We do not know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So that cannot express, that means like you, there's nothing you can say. So it's not even tongues. It's not, that's, that joint is just, it's inexpressible. The way it's been translated um, has been problematic. I can't remember where I read that. But, but it can make it seem that, um, you know, that, that again, the, the theological lens you bring can help you think that this is the way you're supposed to. Pray that this refers to praying in tongues. Now, I believe in praying in tongues, just so you know. So I do believe in that. But um, I don't think that's, that's what's, that is not what's primarily being spoken about here. Um, so um, some, I'll continue, I'll finish up this paragraph they have. Some, based on 1 Corinthians 14, 15, equate praying in the spirit with praying in tongues. Discussing the gift of tongues, Paul mentions pray with my spirit. You know, as opposed to praying with his mind. Um, and uh, in verse 14, he states that when a person prays in tongues, that they don't know what they're saying, since it is spoken in a language that they don't know. Um, and no one else can understand. <laughs> this is funny. I'm sorry. Further, no one else can understand what is being said unless there is an interpreter. Um, in Ephesians uh, six eighteen, Paul instructs us to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And then they ask the question, this is the part that's funny, um, how can we pray with all kinds of prayers and requests and pray for the saints if no one, including the person praying, understands what's being said? Um, therefore, praying in the Spirit should be understood as praying in the power of the Spirit by the leading of the Spirit and according to his will, period. So praying by the power of the Spirit, by the leading of the Spirit, and according to his will. And as we already seen through a number of messages Pastor Curtis shared, discerning that can be can be difficult. But I do believe that if we if the more we pray, the more we'll see. So the so the Hebrews 5:14, the more we see, the more we participate, 
the clearer things will become in terms of like, am I praying in this by the power of the spirit? I've had times where I think like that's happening right now. Do I know? I don't know. Maybe I just felt good. You know, maybe I just shoot. Maybe that maybe that happened. I, I don't know. But, but but I know this. God has it because that's who I'm praying to. So, Lord, we pray to you even right now. We ask you that you would please help us to be those who are participating in prayer at all times and that we're praying in the spirit and that we're praying for all of the saints that we are navigating this world, not in our own strength, but with the strength and the power that you give. We need you. And so we thank you and we praise you for giving us yourself and giving us your spirit so that we can live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, so that we can please you in things that are obvious and in ways that we're not quite clear on and that we can take risks in faith for you, Lord, and we can pray for things that could be a little seemingly intimidating to us, but we're not praying to us. We're praying to you. So, Father, I pray that throughout this week you would help us to, to pray. I pray that you would help us have confidence when we pray. I pray that you would help us to re remember where our prayers are in heaven, that you would help us to remember that you act upon our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for this understanding. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for all the good things you have given us as a church, as individuals. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So to close us out, I just want to... Um, I'm not going to do it. We're not going to do it. To close us out, I just want to say, can we please take up the chairs for us? Um, there are no questions in now, so we're not going to. It's a little after 12 o'clock fast, and we had a lot of time over 12. Um, so we had a lot of time over 12 um, before, uh, during the series. Um, but uh, before you take up the chairs and before we officially dismiss, we want to thank the Lord for giving his life for us and bringing us into right relationship with him, which would not have been possible without his laying down his life for us. See, the one who's endured the most uh, spiritual warfare, period, is our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross, took not only the wrath of God, but the the jeers of the enemy and the celebration that they had got them. But scripture lets us know that if they had known what they were doing, they would not have even done that. They wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. The Lord knows what he's doing. He even uses our enemies to take us to where we belong, especially to take us to Christ. So we take the wafer which represents the body that was broken for us and we eat it Thank you, Jesus. And we conclude by taking the juice. which represents his shed blood for us, and we drink. Father, again, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing us and being with us in our prayers and interceding when we don't know how to pray as we ought. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Chairs. All chairs on the wings.